you for your Bible. I pray you'd be with the next few moments as we attempt to preach your word. Help the Lord to be able to learn something. We're in the book of Genesis. We're going through it, uh, you know, step by, or verse by verse, and uh, issue by issue. And we're just preaching through, we want to preach through the entire Old Testament. And I pray that you just help us to learn something tonight. We love you, Lord, in your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, so we were in, we're in Genesis chapter number 2. It should be the last sermon in Genesis chapter number 2, and we'll move on to Genesis 3 uh, next week. But last week, if you remember, we were in Genesis chapter 2, and we, we dealt with the subject of the seventh day. There in the beginning, the first three verses, the seventh day, and the Sabbath day, and, and what that means, and what that represents. And uh, there's a lot of information in, in Genesis 2. Some of it I don't, want, I don't want to pass by. It is not the subject of the sermon today. But you see there, uh, in Genesis chapter number 2, is where God establishes the Garden of Eden. Uh, God... He, he establishes, the Bible says in verse 9 there, it says, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and we see there in verse 16 that the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So those are very important things that happened there in Genesis chapter number 2. And we'll probably be reviewing those in Genesis 2 when we get to the story in Genesis chapter number 3. But the sermon tonight is really on the last few verses of Genesis number 2. And uh, I want you to look down at verse number 18. Verse number 18. The Bible says, we, we read that account there. God created, uh, you know, we, we went through Genesis chapter number 1 and, and the, the creation account. And then we went there and saw, and, and as he recapped uh the, the sixth day at the, in, in part of Genesis 2. But I want you to look at verse 18. The Bible says, And the Lord God said, and, and I want you to understand this, this is all, this is all recapping day 6. Because on day 6 is when God created man. So a lot of Genesis chapter 2 is recapping or giving, going more in detail as to what happened on day 6. And look at verse 18. The Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make and help meet for him. Now, today we live in a society, or, or we live in a, in a country where people, you know, I hear this all the time, I, I, I work a secular job, and when I work, I work with a lot of people my age, a lot of people uh, 24, 25, 28 years old, and I hear this a lot, I hear a lot of 20 year old guys saying this, um, or, or not just guys, but, but women too, and they make this statement, I'm too young to get married. And they'll say, uh, I don't want to get married till I'm in my uh, late 20s. Or I don't want to get married till I'm in my, my mid-30s or even late 30s. And, and people uh, make this statement, I want to sow all my wild oats before I settle down. And, you know, this mentality is prevalent. And people say, I'm not ready to commit uh, to a relationship. I'm not ready to commit to, to, to having children. I'm not ready to commit to this marriage. Uh, but really... That type of mentality goes against the Bible. When God created Adam, and we don't really know how old Adam was. I mean, the Bible tells us how old he lived to, but we, we can imagine that when God created Adam, He didn't create him in the form of a baby. He created him uh, in the form of a, of a grown man. And, and when God looked down at Adam, He said, It is not good that the man should be alone. And He said, I'm going to make a help me for him. But you know, today the mentality is this. People don't want to grow up. 
You know, and I get, I get tired of it because uh, you, you, you see this, these, uh, these 30-year-old people. What, my wife and I were at Walmart. Uh, I want to say it was last night, and there was this guy in front of us. And the guy, seriously, I mean, he must have been in his mid-40s, uh, maybe, maybe late 40s or in his 50s. And he was just, the, the way he was dressed, you could tell he was just refused to let go of his like youth. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he just had he had the really tight pants with the faded lines, and he had uh, just the the I can't even describe it. Just the clothes he was wearing, and the, the way he had his hair. And, and I was joking with my wife, and I was saying, "Somebody needs to tell that guy that he's old." And you know, I'm not saying that being mid forties or whatever, but you know, he's, he's dressed like a teenager, and that's really the the, the way we live it because we we uh, idolize these movie stars and we idolize these uh, entertainers who 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 try to stay young, you know, and they get all these uh, surgeries and all these things. But people, we have a society where we have a whole lot of adults that act like children, and they're immature like children, and they refuse to grow up, and they say, uh, I know I'm 28 years old, I know I'm 30 years old, but I don't want to get married, I don't want to have kids, I want to just still party, and I want to have all this fun. And let me tell you something, when God looked down at Adam, He didn't say, hey Adam, have fun in your youth. God said to Adam, it is not good that a man should be alone. But see, here's a problem with people. And look, if you're older and you've never been married, hey, there might be that might be good. You might just haven't found the right person, and there's something to be said for that. You know, you shouldn't just marry any person that comes down the street. You know, but um, you shouldn't have this attitude where it's just like, I don't want to get married. I don't want the responsibility. Because here's the problem with our society: we have people who don't want to get married. They don't want the responsibility of marriage. They don't want the commitment of that relationship. But they want the fun that comes with a mature relationship. They want the fun that comes uh, with, with, with a... They want to be able to have a physical relationship, but not have the commitment of marriage. And you know, God wasn't for that. When God didn't give... Eve to Adam and said, just, just have fun with her and don't commit to her, or have fun with her and don't have a relationship with her. When God gave Eve, He said, hey, it's not good for the man to be alone, and He instituted what we now know as marriage. Allow me to read for you some verses, if you go in your Bibles, to 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. In the New Testament, if you, if you open the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels. Then you have Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and look at verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and look at verse 12. The Bible says, this is Paul speaking, he says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, just focus on that verse for a second. And I, I love Paul because Paul... Uh, when, he, when he writes these letters, he, he sets you up to really kind of tear you down. But he, he says these things, he says, All things are lawful unto me. Now Paul is saying, look, I understand that salvation comes by grace. Salvation comes through faith. That we don't work for our salvation. Or that we don't have to perform anything for our salvation. So he, thinks, he says, look, all things are lawful unto me. He says, I can do anything and it's lawful for me. But he says, all things are not expedient. That word expedient means convenient or, or, or uh, of a, uh, are good for you. He says, all things are lawful unto me. He says, I can do anything, but everything is not expedient. He says, all things are lawful for me. But he says, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Look at verse 13. He said, meats for the belly and the belly for meat, but God shall destroy both it and, it and them. He says, now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. 
And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up by His own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. He's talking about fornication. He says, am I going to take the members of Christ? Because you've got to understand this. God says, I mean, we've just read it. He said, your body belongs to God. When you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible says that God owns your body. And God says, if I, Roger Jimenez, God belongs to His body. And God says, if I take, I mean, just read it. It says, meat for the, body, for the belly and belly for the meat. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. God says, this body belongs to the Lord. And He says, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up by His own power. And He says, know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ. That word members means, uh, it's referring to like body parts. He says, know ye not that your body belongs, it's the body of God. Because God says that, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the head of the body, and we are His body. And He says, uh, know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? So when God's talking about an harlot there, He's talking about a physical relationship. He's talking about fornication with someone you're not married to. And God says, and look, this is serious. God says, when you take your body that belongs to God, and you have a physical relationship with a harlot, God said, you're taking the body of Christ and having a sexual relationship with, with another person. And God said, it's like you're taking Christ and having a relationship. I mean, does that make sense? That is crazy. I mean, it's time we get to the place in America where pastors stand up and just preach the Bible unapologetic and say, look, God says when you take His body that belongs to Him and you unite it to a harlot, He says, it's like you're uniting Jesus Christ to a harlot. Because your body is His body. You're His members. Verse 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Verse 18, he says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. God, he says, every sin you perform, look, it's without the body. But he that committed fornication, for, for, excuse me, fornication, <laughs> sinneth against his own body. It says, and God is saying, look, if you perform a sin, if I lie, or if I steal, you know, those sins are against my body. But he says, when you commit fornication, you're sinning against your own body. The Bible calls fornication filthiness. The Bible calls fornication uncleanness. And here's the truth. Uh, when, when somebody goes around just sleeping around with all sorts of different people throughout their lifetime, that is unclean. That is fornication. That's why today our society is just filled with STDs, with all sorts of disease, with all sorts of uncleanness. Because look, your body was not designed to just mix germs with so many people. I mean, your body is designed to be with one person, uh, at the most maybe two people in your lifetime. But when you just go around and you, and you sleep around with all sorts of different people, God says those germs and that disgustingness, God says it's unclean. God says you're sinning against your own body because you're going to end up with an STD. You're going to end up with some disease in your body. The Bible says that David, who had many wives, who obviously was in, uh, who, who had committed adultery, the Bible says in the book of Psalms that David had a loathsome disease in his body. Because it's unclean. And he says, when you do that, you're committing fornication. You're sinning against your own body. Look at verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, 
and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You're in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, go to verse 7. Chapter 7, I'm sorry. Chapter number 7, look at verse 1. The Bible says, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, He says, It is good for a man not to touch a woman. God says, A man should not touch a woman. Look at verse 2. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Are you in, in, you're in, in chapter 7? Look at, verse, look at chapter 10. In 1 Corinthians, chapter number 10, look at verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, and look at verse 6. The Bible says, Now these things were our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. The Bible says... And Paul is using an example, an Old Testament example here. And he says that God, that the children of Israel, they rose up and they were in this wicked sin of fornication, which means sleeping with somebody, going to bed with somebody that you're not married to. And God says that that anger, the Bible says that God, God angered so much that in one day, three and twenty thousand people were killed in one day. God killed them in one day in the Old Testament. And today we have Christians just running around thinking that it's okay to just go to bed with someone when you're not married. And I'll tell you why. Because pastors don't stand up and preachers don't get up and just say, look, the Bible says it is a sin, it is wicked, it is unclean, it is filth, and somebody's got to say it. And look, I guess it's going to be me. You say, well, this type of preacher is never going to build a church. I don't care if it never builds my church. Because i got uh, two little boys over there that are listening to every word I say. And you say, well, they're not listening. They hear what I say. And somebody, we got these sick right here. And somebody's got to stand up and say, hey, wait till you're married. Rebecca, Moses, wait till you're married. You, you may not even understand what I'm talking about. But just wait. Just physical relationship with someone from another, uh, of another sex. Just wait till you're married. That's what the Bible says. And I don't care if that's old-fashioned. I don't care if that goes against everything this world believes. That's what the Bible says. And that's what we ought to do. Flee fornication. You know, I've done a lot of crazy things in my life. And I've done a lot of things that I'm ashamed of. But I just praise God that, that uh, my parents and my pastors instilled enough fear in my life. And instilled enough fear in my wife's life. That by the grace of God, we were able to wait. And when I went to the altar, I was pure and virgin. And I waited. And I praise God for that. And I praise God that my wife had enough character to not allow things to go uh, that far. And that, that, that my parents and, and God in the Bible and a preacher stood up and just instilled the fear of God in me. And that's what I'm trying to do to these kids right now. Just instill the fear of God and say, hey, God says he killed 3,000 souls. We get mad at, at sodomy and, and God destroyed Simon Gomorrah and all that. And God says he killed 3,000 people because of fornication. It's a sin and it's wrong and it's wicked. It's filthiness. Go with me to the book of Ezekiel. If you open your Bibles to Isaiah, it's a big book of the prophets there in the Old Testament. Then there's Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. And look at verse chapter number 16. Look at chapter number 16. You know, I just decided a long time ago when we started this church that I don't care if nobody comes, and I don't care if the people that do come get mad and don't leave. We're just going to preach the Bible. 
And we're because there's, there's, there's got to come a time. Uh, we're we're having this conversation uh, uh, this afternoon. There's got to come a time where somebody just stands up and says, "Look, enough is enough. Someone's going to raise a banner, and I don't care if we fail at life. We're just going to stand for the truth." Ezekiel 17.25, the Bible says, Thou hast moreover multiplied by thy fornication in the land of Canaan unto Chaldea, and yet thou was not satisfied herewith. He said, Thou hast moreover multiplied thy fornications. Look at verse 30. He says, How weak is thine heart, saith the Lord God, seeing thou doest all these things, the work of an imperious, whorish woman, is what the Bible says. In that thou buildest thine eminent places in the head of every woman, and thou makest thine high places in every street, and has not been in... Look what it says. Look at verse 31. I really want you to see the Bible when you start getting just deep into the Bible. You know, because you're not going to hear this on, on your... Uh, on your televangelist. This, Ezekiel chapter, chapter 16 is not going to be preached on the television. Look what he says. Verse 31. The last phrase of verse 1. He said, And has not been as an harlot in that thou scornest higher. God looked down at Israel and He looks at these people and these women and these men that are in this wicked sin of fornication and He says, you know what? A harlot, which is the Bible word for a prostitute, is doing better than you because a prostitute at least, it says, in that thou scornest higher. He says, at least a prostitute gets paid. I mean, is that, is that, that is Bible, that is Bible, that is God talking. You're not going to hear that at the average church this, this evening. Well, you're not going to hear that at any church this evening because most of them are closed tonight. But look at verse 32. It says, But as a wife that committeth adultery, which taketh strangers instead of her husband, they give gifts to all whores, but thou givest thy gifts to all thy lovers, and hirest them, and they, make, uh, and they may come unto thee on every side for thy whoredoms. Moses, it's time for church. Alright? I, I just want you to listen. This is for you. You need to, you need to learn this. The Bible says, this, here's what God says about this. Because you, you, you know, the most important people in this church are the kids. They need to learn this stuff. And here's what God says. God says that these people that commit fornication, that commit these whoredoms, He says, it would be better if you were a prostitute, because at least a prostitute is making money. God, God is saying, you know, and I, I just can't, you know, I just get angry when I read, I read these texts and, and I, I, tr- I try to stay in the right spirit. But I, I'm just surprised. I mean, I work with these people and I, and I know these people and I, I just watch these people's lives. And I'm just surprised. And you know who I'm really surprised? I'm not surprised at the men because I understand men's mentalities. I mean, their minds are just wicked and they just want to do whatever they want. But I'm surprised at these women who go along with, with these men and just allow them to use them, allow them to abuse them just as, as, as they need their bodies, as they want their bodies, they take their bodies. And God says, hey, it'd be better if you were a prostitute because I think a prostitute makes money. He says, a whore gets gifts, but you give gifts. He says, a whore gets paid, but you are acting like an unpaid whore, is what the Bible says. And you know what? I'm sick and tired of this attitude. I was just talking to my wife. Uh, somebody was telling us that about this girl who just wants to live her life however she wants, wants to sleep around with whoever she wants. And she says, well, I still love God, and I still love the Bible, and I still love church, but I just want to do what I want, and I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. Look, the Bible says it's a sin, and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of these people coming up and saying, I'm going to do whatever I want, and I just don't care what God says. God, that is not the God of the Bible. God, I, I appreciate what you were, what we were talking about uh, earlier today. God is not this Santa Claus Women by their lifestyles are raising up this 
whole generation of young girls who are learning to just have men in and out of their house, in and out of their house. We used to work at on this bus ministry uh, where we went out and we picked up these uh, little kids from poor neighborhoods and brought them to church. And these little girls were just watching their mothers bring a man in and out of their life, in and out of their life, in and out of their life. And you know what happened? Those girls grew up to be a whore just like their mother, but men in and out of their life, in and out of their life. You say, I don't like you saying that. Well, you know what? If you don't like it, then don't come back. But that's what the Bible says. And look, the Bible says if you want to enjoy a physical relationship, then get married. Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. Proverbs 5.18 says this, Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Proverbs 18.22 says this, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. And somebody's got to teach these kids in this generation and tell somebody, Hey, if you want, you know what I did? I got married when I was 18 years old. You know why? Because I wanted a physical relationship with my wife. And I said, alright, if that's what we're going to have to do, then I'm going to take the responsibility, I'm going to take the commitment that comes with the fun. But instead, we just have a generation of Christians who say, I want the fun, but no commitment. And you know what? God's tired of it, and somebody's got to stand up and say something about it, and if it's got to be me, then it'll be me. And let me tell you this. Who you ought to marry should be a Christian. If, if you want to go back to 1 Corinthians, you can. But 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse 14 says this. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? You shouldn't, you know what, if you kids that are going to get married soon, or, or you know, if you're single and you're looking to get married, you need to find a, someone who believes, a Christian. The Bible says, what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? The Bible says that we should not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So when you get married, kids, find a Christian. You know what? You know where's the best place to find a wife or a husband? In church. I'm serious. People say, you shouldn't come to church to find a wife. Well, where am I going to go to find a wife? Where, where, are we, where should I advise these kids to go find a wife? At the bar? On Facebook? They need to, they need, you need to find a... Kids, learn this. Marry a Christian. Moses, marry a Christian. Rebecca, marry a Christian. Okay, you guys need to just get indoctrinated, get things in your head that when you're 18 and 20 years old and you, your hormones are going crazy and you want to do all these stupid things, you've just had it instilled in your mind. Don't even date an unsafe person. Don't even uh, think about dating an unsafe person. The purpose of dating is to find someone you're going to get married. So if you're dating an unsafe person and you're not going to marry them, then why are you doing it? Marry a Christian. Do you, you, you understand that? Hey, uh, uh, Moses, or not Moses, I always get confused with Moses. Joshua and Joel, marry a Christian. Somebody's got, I, I just don't understand how we get away from this stuff. It's just basic Bible principles. Go back to Genesis chapter 2. We'll get off that rant. We'll get on another one. Genesis chapter number 2. Look at verse 21. Genesis chapter number 2. And look at verse 21. Genesis chapter number 2, and look at verse 21. The Bible says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh and said thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and look what the last phrase of that verse says, And brought her unto the man. 
Let me tell you something. God instituted marriage in this verse right here. He made a woman and he brought her to the man and God instituted marriage. And I, I want to, just basic things, I want you to see him. He made it between a man and a woman. And he made it between one man and one woman. You know, here, here's another, you, you want to hear another tangent that, I, that I'd be more than happy to go on? Is this the same-sex garbage. Kids, listen to me. Same-sex marriage, homosexual marriage, gay marriage is just a bunch of trash. It's a bunch of garbage. When you start going to work or you start going to school and people try to make you feel bad about, uh, you know, you shouldn't talk bad about whatever. Hey, look, they flaunt it. They flaunt it all they want. They have these gay pride parades and they do whatever. Uh, a few nights ago, uh, I, 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 I took my son to Cold Stone. I took my family to Cold Stone. It was my, my son's uh, birthday, so we're, let's go to Cold Stone and get some ice cream. And we walk into Cold Stone and there's just these two women with short hair. And look, let me tell you something. They were both women. I mean, you could tell. It was very evident that they were both women. But one, the male in the relationship had a full beard. Like, uh, a full mustache. Not a beard, a mustache. I mean, a thicker mustache than I could grow. She had a full mustache, and this was a woman. I mean, she took this, you know, same-sex thing pretty seriously. And I, just think, and I was just watching this, and I'm thinking that these people just walk around with no shame, just, you know, I'm that I'm cold stone with my kids. You think I want my kids watching these two women just holding hands and doing all this garbage? And, you know, and, and I'm tired of this attitude. As Christians, we've been forced by the media to kind of just be backed into a wall and we're just supposed to be on the defensive all the time. We're just supposed to be afraid to say anything. Well, you know what? I'm tired of it. And at Verity Baptist Church, it, it, we may be the only church in the state of California that says it, but look, it is wrong for a man and a man to get married. And let me tell you something, this same-sex crap is a bunch of garbage because the Bible says God instituted marriage. And here's the funny thing. They can, they can already get legally, you know, their legal union or whatever. They want what God instituted because they want God's approval on their stupid filth. They want the Bible's approval on their sin and their trash. And the Bible says God instituted marriage. We wouldn't even know what marriage was if it wasn't for the Bible. And it's wrong and it's wicked. And I don't care who that offends. I don't care who gets mad. I don't care, you know, we put these sermons on the internet. I don't care how many emails I get or anybody complaining about it. It is wrong. And at Verity Baptist Church, on the record, Pastor Roger Jimenez is going on the record. It's wrong. It's filth. And it can piss off whatever queers it wants. You say, I don't like using that word queer. Look, the Bible uses the word queer. Say, so where does it do that? Well, you kind of have to interpret it that way. <laughs> The Bible says in Jude 1.7, it says this. I'll prove it to you. Jude 1.7 says this. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication. It's funny how God mentions fornication when He mentions, mentions sodomy. It says, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. God says Sodom and Gomorrah was going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. God says that these sodomites were going after strange flesh, because it's strange to go after your own type of flesh. You know what the word queer means? This is what it means. I looked it up in the dictionary. It means strange or odd, unusually different. Here's my favorite one. Mentally unbalanced or deranged. That's, that, is, that is not Baptist preacher. That is the dictionary. Uh, dictionary.com strange or odd unusually different mentally unbalanced or deranged and God says they went after strange flesh and you know what like I said 
Somebody's just going to take a stand against it. You know, we're trying to build here the, the, the big, you know, we want God to build the biggest church that he can build, but we also want to take a stand. And, and if we've got to choose truth or a crowd, then we'll just go with truth and let God deal with the crowd. But let's just real quickly get into the roles of marriage. Look at verse, you're in Genesis chapter number 2, look at verse 18. Genesis 2, look at verse 18. The Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good for the man uh, that he should be alone. And look what he says, I will make him and help me for her. For him. Sorry. Look at verse 20. Genesis 2.20. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help me for him. So the Bible says, that God was creating Eve with a certain purpose in that relationship. He said, I want her to be and help me. Now let's just real quickly go through the roles of marriage and what you should be as a wife or a husband. Let's start with the roles of the wife. The roles of the wife. Go with me to Ephesians, please. Ephesians in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts and Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians and Ephesians. If you get to Philippians, you went too far. Philippians chapter number 5 and look at verse 21. Philippians chapter number 5 and look at verse 21. I'm sorry. Let's say Philippians. Ephesians chapter number 5. And look at verse 21. Ephesians chapter number 5 and look at verse 21. Look at what it says. Here we go. Pastor Jimenez, not in tune with the times again. Look what it says. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. The Bible says that the wife should submit herself to the husband. You say, I don't like that. Well, look, that's what the Bible says. If you don't like it, then take it up with God. God wrote it. But what's the, what's the role of the wife? Number one, she should submit herself to her husband. She should obey her husband. The Bible uses the word honor. She should honor her husband. Number two, what's the role of a wife? She should care for her children. Look at First Timothy. I'll go through these real quickly and then I'll explain them. I'll, I'll take a little bit of time to explain them. But look at First Timothy chapter number 5 and look at verse 14. First Timothy chapter number 5 and look at verse 14. First Timothy chapter number 5 and look at verse 14. The Bible says... I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. The Bible says that I will, therefore, the will of, of the Apostle Paul being used here to write God's word. He says, the will of God is this, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, and give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. And by the way, it's in that order. It's marry, bear children, guide the house. It's not bear children, Mary and guide the house. It's Mary, bear children, guide the house. The Bible says in Genesis 3.16, you don't have to turn there, but it says, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Let me tell you something. Just real quickly, let me give you the roles of the husband, and then, and then I'll, I want to talk about that a little bit. The role of the husband is this, to love his wife. You, you can, if you can get there quickly, get there. Ephesians chapter number 5, but let me read to you verse 25. Ephesians chapter number 5, and let me read to you verse 25. The, buzz, the, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. 
that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. The role of the husband is this, to love his wife. The role of the husband is this. Let me read to you Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. It says, For this cause shall a man leave his... I'm sorry. Uh, is that the right verse? No. 1 Timothy chapter number 5, verse 7. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it for you. 1 Timothy chapter number 5, verse 7. The Bible says, And these things give in charge, that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own... Talking about a man. It says, If the man provides not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it for you. Genesis chapter number 3 and verse 17. God says, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. He says, In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till the till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. So, so what am I saying? What are the roles of, of, of the husband and wife? Here are the roles of the husband and wife. According to the Bible, in a perfect society, the roles of the wife would be this. The wife has children, and stays home, and, and the Bible says, uh, what does it say there in, in 1 Timothy? I don't, I don't want to misquote it. It said, I will therefore that the younger woman marry Bear children and guide the house. That's what the Bible says. Marry, bear children, and guide the house. And the Bible says that it is the job of the man to provide for his wife. Now look, if you're not married and you're a woman, obviously you've got to provide for yourself if you don't have a husband to provide for you. But this idea that women are supposed to go to work and put their kids in a daycare is not from the Bible. I'm telling you, it is not from the Bible. And it's one of the reasons we're in the state we're in because a whole lot of kids didn't have a mom that was watching over them and taking care of them and instilling things in them and they were just dropped off to this daycare society where they, I'm telling you, you can disagree with me if you, if you want to, but they're not being loved like they would be by their mother. And it's true. And look, and I'm tired of this. This, this, this women's liberation movement is saying that they would say that I'm a bigot. They say that I'm this this uh, you know that that I'm just like against women because I'm saying that my wife should stay home. Look, let me tell you something. I'm in the United States Air Force. I'm a mechanic in the United States Air Force. I uh, work on generators and heaters and air conditioning uh, systems and hydraulic anything. I mean anything you can think of. I work on it and and, and we do that work in order to uh, be able to sustain a mission uh, so we can have a, this global outreach throughout the world. And look, I can I can. I can tell you all the missions that we fly and all the different things we do and I can make it sound really important and really spectacular but let me tell you something there is nothing more important that I do than when my wife stays home and takes my children and and teaches them and trains them and reads the Bible with them and prays with them look I can fix a generator and who cares I did nothing I can change the oil I can change the tire but my wife is instilling an eternal life I mean my children have a soul that will live forever and she gets to be with them every day and instill them and teach them the fear of the Lord and the Bible. My wife's job is way more important than anything I could ever do. You understand that? Don't let these stupid hippies from the 60s tell you that you're, you're not fulfilled if you're not some CEO of some company or you're not some, some mayor of some town. Look, my wife's job is more important than any mayor, any Hillary Clinton, any Sarah Palin. You can be the governor of whatever you want. What she's doing is more important.
Because you're taking an eternal soul and instilling the fear of God. And these stupid women want to say that we're sexist or that there's something wrong with us because we don't, because my wife stays home and raises our kids. Look, it is my job to love my wife. You, and, and you don't, you know, you may not know this, but I, I work around these men. You think I want my wife around these unsaved guys making all these comments and all these jokes? You gotta be out of your mind. I love my wife. And because I love her, I take care of her. And you know what? I may not have any, you know, I may not be rich, but I want her to be taken care of. I don't want her to have to worry about and be stressed about work and all this stuff. I want her to be able to focus on her. And any mother who. Uh, who is honestly a mother is going to love their kids and they're going to want to rather spend every day with their children than just be at work and making some stupid salary. And that's the truth. And you say that goes against everything the society... Look, everything I said tonight goes against the, what our society teaches and I just don't care. Okay? Because that's what the Bible says and if you don't like it, then whatever. But, but that's what the Bible says. The man is supposed to go to work and provide for his family and the wife is supposed to stay home and care for the kids. And it shouldn't be vice versa. You don't, I couldn't raise my kids the way my wife raises the kids. I don't have the patience or the intelligence to do it. <laughs> and that's the truth. But I can do my part by providing for them so that she can focus on them. That's the most important thing in our marriage is those kids. And a woman will... Let me tell you something. I've never... I, I've, I've talked to people and they say... I, talk, I talked to this older man one time. I was out knocking on doors. He was... He was this older guy, and uh, he'd been retired, and I mean, he was in his 80s, and I was out with my son, out door knocking, and, and I remember he said to me, man, cherish that boy, and love that boy, and he said, do you want any more kids? And I said, man, I want as many kids as God will give me, and he said, man, you just have, he's like, here's you, he's, this is what he said to me, the biggest regret of my life is this, I focused on work, and I didn't have any more kids. He said, I had one or two kids, and he said, I just wish I would have had more kids, because that's what life's about. It's not about making money. It's not about having riches. It's not about having a nice house or an RV or whatever. It's about the eternal value of a soul and a child. So God established marriage and God gave roles. And look, and, and, and listen to this. There's, there's got to be an authority. Okay, There has to be an authority in a marriage. There's got to be someone who just makes a decision. That's why, you know, uh, there's, there's, an e- there's not an even number on the Supreme Court. There's an odd number because there's got to be somebody who can just break the tie. Does that make sense? There's got to be some... At some point, you, you can't have... There's not two CEOs of companies. There's got to be one guy who just takes responsibility and God decided that in the home, the man's going to lead and the Bible says that, God, that that man is going to answer to God for what happens in that home and, and that's just how it is. And it's not that my wife, that I'm smarter than my wife or anything like that. It's just that God decides there's got to be someone who leads. At some point, there's got to be someone who just decides, makes the decisions. And God said for the woman to submit and to... And look, and look what it says. God told the woman to submit to the man. And God told the man to love the woman. So a man that loves his wife is not going to take advantage of her. A man that loves his wife is not going to hurt her or hit her or abuse her. He's going to care for her and love her. So God, and, and, and learn this. Just when it comes to authority, God always tells the person in less authority to love the person to... He, I'm sorry, the person in less authority, He never tells that person to love their authority. He just says, obey their authority. You will never find a verse in the Bible where God tells children to love their parents. You will find this, obey your parents. God tells children to obey their parents. 
But the parents who are glory, they're supposed to love their kids. Does that make sense? The husband loves the wife, the wife is just supposed to obey. The wife, the mother loves the kids, the kids are just supposed to obey. You know what? You don't have to love your boss at work, but you do need to obey your boss at work. And if your boss is a good boss, he's going to love you in return for it. And if you just get that, that relationship in the right, if you take care of what you're supposed to, if you just obey your boss, and then you say, I have a bad relationship with my boss. If you just obey him and stop talking bad about him behind his back, he'll repay you for that. He'll love you. And that's, just, that's, that's what God established. So, just real quickly, let's touch on this. Uh, the argument... Uh, just go to Genesis chapter number 20. We're, we're out of time, but Genesis... I'm sorry, Genesis chapter number 2 and look at this. Genesis chapter number 2 and look at this. Verse 23. The Bible says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Ephesians 5.31, you have to go there. I'll just read it for you. It says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. The Bible says that when you get married, you become one flesh. And I just want to say this because we're talking about marriage and it just needs to be said in our society is God is against divorce. And let me tell you something. I understand, you know, you can't go, I mean, you can't talk to two people without one of them being divorced. Seriously, I understand. I mean, 50% of marriages end in divorce and I'm not trying to be mean or, 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 or say something if, if you're divorced. But let me tell you something. God is against divorce. And somebody's got to tell these kids, God is against divorce. God is against divorce. God is against divorce. God says when you get married, you become one flesh. God says you become one body. When God looks down at me, He doesn't see Roger Jimenez. He doesn't see Joanne Jimenez. He sees one person. And you can't separate that. And God's against it. You say, that goes against society. I know all of it goes against society. The Bible goes against what society believes. But God's against it. And kids, just God's against it. And it doesn't matter who does it. I'm, I'm just telling you right now. Somebody was, telling, somebody was telling me this. Oh, well, if it's family, you should... Whatever. Look, let me tell you something. If Pastor Roger Jimenez gets divorced, it's wrong. Sin doesn't change based on who does it. Well, my friend did it, and he's such a good friend, and whatever. Sin is sin is sin is sin. The purpose of preaching, the Bible says, is to make sin exceeding sinful. And the Bible says, like, you shouldn't get divorced. Period. Numbers 32 says, If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his, his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his vow. And when you stand up to get married, the Bible says you, you make a vow before men and before God, when you say to have and to hold uh, from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or poor, in sickness or in health, to love and to cherish uh, from this day forward till death to his part. That is a vow. And when I said to my wife, till, from this day forward till death do his part, then you know what? That's till death do his part. Because God said, don't make a vow. I mean, God, God, this thing about marriage just makes God mad. He says, if a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he says, this is what the Bible says, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. And God says, before you even open your mouth and make a vow, just think about what you're saying. Because he said, don't break a vow to God. And you know what? Whatever, whatever may happen in my marriage, but I made a vow to God, and that's, and that's it. And when I said, for sickness or in health, to love and to church, when I said, for, wor- for better or worse, for richer or poor, you know what? If I lose everything, then my wife needs to still be married. 
If I, if, if I go and commit adultery, or if my wife commits adultery to me, then you know what? For better or worse, that's what I said. That's what I promised to God. Hey kids, when you make a vow to God, keep your vow. And you know what? If people get divorced, and just love them, and, and don't be mad at them. And, and if you've gotten divorced, and just get right with God, ask Him to forgive you, and move on, just don't do it again. But someone's got to tell these kids. Someone's got to tell my kids. Someone's got to teach my son Joshua that when he makes a vow to God, to keep his vow. And I wish we had that character today when Christians are going around saying they love God and they love church and they love the Bible, but I I know what the Bible says about divorce and I'm just going to do it anyway. I'm telling you, we have a God who is mad in heaven tonight because of the subjects I'm preaching about tonight, because of these people. I just It seems like God just puts these people in my path as the week goes on just to anger me so I can stand up and preach because I'm just, I, just this week I came across story after story, example after example of real people who say, I love God, I love the Bible, I love this, but I'm just going to do what I want anyway. Let me tell you something. God says, if, Jesus Christ said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. God tells us, God, we can never question God's love, but God questions our love. And He says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. If you don't keep my commandments, you don't love me. And God says, just shut your mouth. Don't pretend like you love me, and then you do whatever you want. God says, I'd rather you keep your mouth shut before you make a vow to God. And kids, when you make a vow to God, keep it. You say, well, well what, what if, what if whatever? What if my husband committed adultery and my husband slept with all these people? Who cares? I made a vow to God. Not my wife, not the people. I made it to God. And I said to God, till death do us part. And God will bless you. But we live in this society. Here, here's the problem. We live in this teenager society where a 30-year-old wants to be a teenager and he says, well, I'm not happy in my marriage. I'm not happy in my lifestyle. I want, look, who told you that life was about being happy? Hey, here's another example. Hey, Rebecca Moses, Joshua, Joel, life is not about being happy. You know what's, what, you know what, you know where you're going to be happy? When you die and you go to heaven and you spend eternity with Jesus Christ. That's about happiness. Life here is about serving God, getting people saved, and loving God. And that might mean that you have to spend the rest of your life in a marriage where you don't love your husband. But look, God never told you to love your husband. He told you to obey your husband. Period. Say so you're never going to build a church like this. I don't care. Because someone in 2010 in the state of California, had to stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord God. You know why? Because my kids need somebody to stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord God. My kids need somebody to tell them. My kids need somebody to tell them, Divorce is wrong. Even if daddy gets divorced, it's still wrong. And I'm, I just thank God that someone instilled that in my heart, and someone instilled that in my head, and somebody told me that, and that's what I'm trying to do tonight. God loves you, and God cares about you. But so, well, we gotta, we got to take these stands. We're losing the battle. We're losing the battle because nobody wants to stand up and say what needs to be said. And at Verity Baptist Church, we're going to say what needs to be said. We're in Genesis chapter 2. That's what, the book was, that's what the chapter was about. Next week we'll be in Genesis chapter 3. And we'll say what needs to be said there. And we're just going to keep going. And it, it, it can offend whoever, and it doesn't matter, we're just going to say it. Because it's more important to have a lighthouse of somebody who just says, we're going we're gonna to be the truth. We're just going to tell the truth, we're just going to stand for righteousness, and then just let God do whatever He wants to do. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love You so much.